0: What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. 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 Welcome, listener, to chapter 204 of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, the Reawaken America tour episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rakotansky, Julian Field, and Travis View. This week, we are going to be discussing a
1: very strange and jocular man named Clay Clark and his Reawaken America tour that has included a who's who of MAGA and religious grifters. To dive deeper into this, we have a guest. His name is Sam Kestenbaum, and he recently wrote a fantastic article for Rolling Stone on this exact topic. But before that,
2: QAnon News.
0: So
1: there's been a lot of articles recently
3: published about Trump embracing QAnon. This is partly due to the fact that Trump is continually amplifying QAnon accounts and QAnon content on his social media platform Truth Social. And this is partly because he played a QAnon-connected song as recent rally in Ohio. Uh, specifically, he played an instrumental track called WWG1WGA by an artist that goes by the name of Richard Feelgood.
1: Yeah, well, I feel good <laughs> when I hear it, mm. especially when the vocal track on it is just some guy ranting about... The decadent nation and how it needs to be cleansed with fire. Yeah, very disturbing stuff. Now Trump
3: previously used the same track for a video posted on True Social in early August. So this is a a track he's, he's used a few times now. But one thing I do want to say is that it's it's not a new development of like Trump embracing QAnon. This is something that he's been doing like uh, for years. In 2019, he's you know, when he still has a Twitter account, he retweeted QAnon accounts hundreds of times in 2019, he retweeted uh, Lisa Mae Crowley, who was a huge QAnon promoter. In 2020, he retweeted Praying Medic, who was like one of the biggest QAnon promoters. However,
1: so, I've never seen him retweet himself with a Q pin with "The Storm Is Coming" and where we go yeah, and we but go he, like, all retweet- in one photo. I that is like so. That's a fun new development. That Can't is we like, celebrate?
3: I guess but it's just a continuation of the old development. Yes,
1: it is. It's not like You're it right. come out of nowhere. See, this is the it's just this is the more, problem. More... Travis's poor mind. It's like been four years, and so now he's like he's like a perennial hipster. He's like but no, like, okay, I was fucking this shit was happening I,
0: before, man. No, but like look, I mean I mean we we've talked about this before. It's like this is this is all he has left, really. Uh,
1: you, you know when it's it would, kind of all he's ever had because before he used to also do this yeah, <laughs> like, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean but this, it's this like, is just how he rolls. He's not desperate. The yeah. walls are not closing in. Yeah, <laughs> he's fucking thriving Yeah, <laughs> he's doing great. He's, yeah. doing, he's being his best self.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like he's like well You know pussyfooting around it, you know didn't work so you know No, it, he it doesn't care okay. that much. He was like, but let's I, w- I wonder what would happen. No, if he I directly <laughs> even remotely
1: care that much he opens phone, see picture him, press. <laughs> it's, he doesn't give a shit. People are like, uh, Mr. M- Mr. Trump, um, uh, don't you think that, uh, you know, uh, you know that uh, the QAnon people, they're a little bit, you know, they could be a little bit dangerous to optics. He's like, yeah, they love me. Who cares?
3: So during the Ohio rally, uh, many people noticed the unusual sight of the crowd pointing their finger upwards and towards the direction of Trump. Well, Trump spoke over the where we go one, we go all" track.
1: Again, we have to bake something that's like, basically, big beautiful man, love you, I know. love you, I know. love
3: you <laughs> so much. I had, though, no, I had like reporters hit me up. It's like, what does this mean? Yeah, It's like, I don't fucking know, man. So I've never, I that is not a QAnon thing, at least not prior to this. No, They're all
1: communally saying, Sex would be more interesting if you just slipped a little finger.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think there is. was. It, it looked, you know, when I saw the video, it, it looked like a religious service. You I know, thought, it's, I
3: thought the same thing. it's like, like that. That's the most uh, sensible interpretation to me. It was like people they're feeling the spirit of Trump, you know, and they're just pointing towards the sky in sort of approval of what they were saying.
0: Man, I like. Yeah,
1: exactly. Happy <laughs> man.
0: Point. I also here's my conspiracy. Here's my conspiracy about it is that you know at a religious service <laughs> you put your hand up like. Like this, there's no number one finger. And I think maybe some Trump supporters are maybe uh, particularly self-conscious about raising one hand in the air, you know, at a 45 degree angle. No, so the number one, they don't care, you know, so the number one maybe is kind of like this. This is going to differentiate this from, from being confused no, with see, a Nazi You salute. have a
1: classic case of LibBrain where you're processing their beliefs. Mm-hmm. Man love, lift, happy. You're processing it through like... They know what they're doing. These these shifty Nazis are aware that they look like Nazis. No, they're like shocked that anyone would be like, you're fascist. I think most yeah. Trump supporters are genuinely like, what are you fucking talking about? They're not like going, well, how much of my power level can I show today?
0: It's yeah, like, that's true. No.
1: They just, they good man sent by God. No, happy. They just think that this guy's going to make America thriving and good yes. and
3: prosperous again. Doesn't? Th- doesn't? Their thinking doesn't go beyond. They're that.
1: They're not fucking reading fucking no. Hannah Arendt like they're not. <laughs> fucking... no one...
3: <laughs> now. An enduring question has been how does Trump himself feel about QAnon and why is he so willing to encourage the movement? You we know, have speculate about why that is, but fortunately, a recent Rolling Stone report gave us some insight into how Trump feels about all this by quoting some anonymous sources close to Trump. One person
0: close to Trump was quoted as saying this of Trump's embrace of QAnon. He said that he thinks some of their memes and images are funny. He also sometimes mentions that it's hilarious to make people like you in the media so mad when you see him touch the cue shit. But to be fair, he says that they're some of his biggest fans, which, you know, is his thing. Yes.
1: He this is exactly what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. This is exactly what it's I was so saying. It's so simple. Funny. Also makes them mad. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. It makes the
0: media mad and they like me. Win also, win win. <laughs> it makes me look really cool. Triple threat, triple threat. Yeah. Makes him mad,
3: likes me. Funny. Another source intimately familiar with matter relays that Trump has claimed to some people as recently as this summer that he thinks many of these conspiracy theorists and online posters are simply misunderstood and that the news media enjoys lumping them in with
1: wacky types just because, in Trump's words, they love Trump. (laughs) Right. It's I hate to lump in QAnon believers (laughs) in with wacky types. No, he's touching on something that's borderline interesting and real that the the term conspiracy theory is used unfairly to kind of Placate anybody who dares to kind of question the official often government line or the line of the intelligence agencies. This okay. is a fair argument. But that's not no way you say. No, it's not. But he's just, it's Trump. So he just takes the thing that's true in another thing. He just moves it over, copy paste, done. Fake news. You're fake news, actually. Not me. I'm, yeah, I'm not right. fake news. You're fake news. He's just done. saying, oh, they love Trump, so they're being very unfair. They're being very nasty towards my people. But for him, he's like, listen. They're unfairly lumping in the QAnon people who love me in with these whack jobs who think maybe Saudi Arabia had something to do with 9-11 or that the the JFK assassination is extremely sus. The weird
0: people, you know? Of course, not the people who believe that uh, JFK's son, JFK Jr., is uh, alive and well and selling hats outside of my rallies. Those are
1: smart people, and they shouldn't be lumped in with these other wackos.
3: One former White House official recalls that during his presidency, Trump would sometimes compliment his Q-pilled followers for having the right idea when it came to adoring Trump and the MAGA movement. (laughs) You've got the right idea. Loving me. (laughs) And loathing the deep state and his enemies like Hillary Clinton and James Comey. Okay, well, see, like for like a
1: smidgen of a sentence there. Loathing the deep state.
3: This former him. official says that they mentioned to Trump that QAnon was nuttier than merely being pro-MAGA, and that featured tall tales of pedo-controlled Hollywood and the Democratic Party. According to well, the don't, source... Don't,
1: don't use the only real thing. <laughs> right?
3: Well, according to the source, he says, quote, I do not remember his exact words, but Trump's response was along the lines of, There are plenty of bad and sick people in Hollywood, and among the liberal elite. So... This is, um, I mean, this is basically what QAnon people do. It's like, well, you know, the Harvey Weinstein thing is true. He was a Hollywood sicko, ergo, they torture children for their adrenochrome.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. Instead, it's just got to suck a dick to get ahead, and uh, they're organizing sex parties with young actors, and a sure. lot of them are, you know, sometimes they're locking women into rooms and torturing them, and but yeah, this, not I mean, drinking the-, the blood of Christian babies, Right. This is the thing that honestly, this
3: is uh, something that Steve Bannon said at Q and It's like, well, it's directionally correct, which I fucking hate because it's you like hate him because he's right. Cause he's no, right. no, because it's like it's like any conspiracy theory. If like it's like if it premises the idea that you know people in positions of power are corrupt, is you know there has a grain of truth. But you well, know that you're onto something, Travis. Develop that further. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, but because that is this, a good point because the recognition of corruption at high levels leads people to absurd conclusions. That actually lets corrupt people at the high levels off the hook.
1: I agree. It's a, a perverted and distorted version of an impulse that starts from a kind of correct, let's say, hunch. Like a feeling that you're getting screwed by a shadowy room of assholes. And then you're like, tacking on a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. But that's why I have to... No, I'm not going to give it to Ben. But the directionally correct <laughs> no, thing, like although it it's infuriating, because... it has an aspect of it that is true. Well, yeah, that's the yeah. But I hate this bullshit because the, it's
3: like the because the lizard person conspiracy theory has a grain of truth. Does uh, it? Wow, no.
1: that's when that. What, what oh, do you oh, mean? Oh, you really, you really
3: think the elites are are so alien to our lives because they live in such privilege that they can't possibly understand what it's like to live as a working class? You don't think they actually feed off of our energy? You don't think that? You don't think there's an element of reality there? Okay, maybe they're not literally
1: aliens. Well, yeah, they, but I they are actually, alien right. yeah, to right. us. Poetically, you're right. Actually, wow, oh, see,
0: holy see, this is shit, rather this god damn it
1: <laughs> they're cold-blooded yes
3: they're cold-blooded they're cruel they're indifferent to our suffering uh, so, some some of them uh, ha-
0: have surgery to fork their tongues <laughs> do they <laughs> do they I don't know I, I think that is a point. thing that some That's people like, have you could, you could, you could,
3: people in Portland yeah, you make That's the directionally the correct argument about the wildest stupidest conspiracy theories and it doesn't help anything it doesn't help expose corruption okay. it doesn't help prevent corruption
1: but does it, it hurt that you're directionally incorrect <laughs> <laughs> Uh, We love to tease Travis, but he's probably right. Today, we're going to be talking
3: about Clay Clark's Reawakened America tour. And in order to better understand that, we are joined now by religion reporter Sam Kestenbaum. He has written for the New York Times and the Washington Post. His latest piece for Rolling Stone that's headlined, quote, I think all the Christians get slaughtered inside the MAGA roadshow barnstorming America. Sam, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Really happy to be here. Thank you also for providing a line that I'm going to be cutting out and isolating so that Travis, you know, is declaring the sacrifice of all Christians.
3: (laughs) That'll be the full episode, just him over and over
1: stating this. Quite a
3: provocative headline, I have to say. Now, before we get into it, uh, so... How would you describe this thing? Because well, I watched many hours of the uh, videos that they produce, that the Reawakened America uh, tour has put out on Rumble. And it is like, I don't know, a kind of like Christian prophetic MAGA variety show or something like that.
4: Yeah, I think that's pretty good. I mean, you know, a, a line in the, in the piece that I have is like, that I thought about for some time is like, you know, part tent revival, um, you know, part circus, part campaign rally. I mean, there literally is a a gong on stage that Clay uh, will occasionally hit, um, you know, evoking a kind of like a MAGA um, gong show. Uh, So, so, I mean, a variety show fits it. And, you know, the prophetic element is is a pretty central thing to it uh, as well that I'm sure we'll get into. But I think that's about right. A variety show fits it. And the guy
3: who organized this, Clay Clark, is not someone who was really known in, I guess, political circles or uh, religious circles beforehand. He was like a business guru before
4: he decided that this was his life mission, right? That's right. Yeah yeah pretty like a local kind of provincial talk show host on radio in Tulsa and you know known like uh, in Oklahoma for his various business ventures, which were you know pretty ambitious for you know for like a local business guy he once ran for mayor, he ran a, a pet um, training company, a barbershop chain, yeah, like a like a you know serial entrepreneur in the way that we might sometimes praise those sort of folks.
1: Yeah, he's, he's really fascinating to me because he is the perfect combo of, like, a QAnon guy and, like, one of those success grind guys where it's like, get up early, put in the work, you know, everyone can do this.
3: Yeah, it's like, I mean, like there are, like, thousands of these guys who, like, ran a uh, successful business. In this particular case, his first like major successful venture uh, was this DJing sort of like
4: business, right? That's right. Yeah, he was uh, in college when he uh, attended ORU, Oral Roberts University. He was running a DJ company out of the dorm room, just DJing parties, uh, weddings. And he dropped out of school and continued that business um, and had, you know, some success locally doing it, really cornering the wedding market. You know, it's a whole spiraling industry of connected vendors. And that's really where Clay, like, learned his, his craft, so to speak, that, that he spun into or applied to uh, MAGA world um, of, you know, dealing with various personalities and vendors and merchandise and um, venues and so forth. But, yeah, it was the DJ company. DJ connection in, in uh, Oklahoma, where he got his had his most success early on. And they
3: parlayed the success into becoming a like a business consultant and then, like you mentioned, like a radio business guru teaching small business owners how to scale, basically. Correct.
4: Yeah. Yeah. After, you know, after the DJ Connection the business was a success, he was written about in like, you know, local, like 30 under 30 sort of um, uh, just, you know, sort of local press accounts and parlayed that into the consultancy business where he would take, uh, you know, a percentage of the profits of off of those who he would consult. And that continues to be a major source of income for him.
1: Yeah, what is it with these guys? It always becomes teaching entrepreneurship to others and making tons of money basically on more like the concept that you're a good businessman than the actual practice. Uh, And also, there's something funny about him. Like he strikes me as the kind of guy who in Christian circles is like the edgy friend who like he'll put on like a song with swear words at the Christian dance and everyone's like, oh. Clay's like that, you know. Uh, but in like broader circles, he just seems like a, an insane dork. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know. There's I have to say, there's something a little bit charming about him. Like yeah, as he's an like annoying a, guy. Yeah, he's a
3: high energy kind of funny guy. You know, it seems like he would yeah. be fun to hang
1: around. In a different life, <laughs> yeah. he could have I could have yeah. been like him probably if I was raised evangelical.
4: Yeah, yeah I mean, and I mean, the, the you were okay. No, if I was, oh, if you were yeah. <laughs> the um. <laughs> Uh, I was about to take a different uh, track of this conversation, um, but uh, no, I mean that's I mean that's right. Like I mean at ORU Oral Roberts University when he was there, he was like the campus bad boy. He had uh, mm-hmm. like this funky car with a like sort of painted like a Batmobile almost with like hand-painted, wacky stuff on it. He um, got into lots of trouble. He would, like, argue with professors. So in the sort of context of pretty, um, I want to say straight lace, but, you know, it's sort of Pentecostal ORU scene, he was, like, he was the sort of cool bad guy, and he um, was a DJ, which is always cool, and he was, um, he recorded, like, parody rap songs, one of which eventually got him basically kicked out of ORU, where he's doing, a, like, a sort of an impression of Eminem, Um, Over the real slim shady beat and uh, making fun of like Christian school life and the lavish lifestyle of um, the then like school administration, which, you know, some of it like, you know, he kind of has points uh, about sort of how Pentecostal um, wealth was circulating within the school. Um, But that ultimately got him kicked out because he was... Uh, making fun of the administration and not exactly swearing, but um, like they were they were reversed swear words. So they were sort of implied, which is edgy. Wow. You know, yeah.
1: yeah in France, edgy. that's like a whole sub, you know, <laughs> subset of language. They call it like, you know, backwards. But yeah. it would be like the equivalent in English would be like if we if suddenly the kids started talking in a way that they were calling words back. Mm. I'm not joking. The French are extremely dorky with language, and I love. I love that he crazy. like
0: he's not stupid enough to like imitate Snoop Dogg like for his parody right. rap. Right. Well, he doesn't uh, listen like, to
1: Snoop Dogg. That's why. But like, like, this guy seems cool for the first time ever in rap for some reason.
0: But I guess to like you know hardcore Christians like Eminem is you know basically the devil.
4: Yeah. So well, you're. For, I mean, to, to, to Clay's credit here, he also does an ODB in the same song. Oh, hmm. okay, fair. Okay. Yeah, right. or or. Yeah, a sort of an ODB reference, anyways.
1: And so he has this jacket that says DJ Clay on the back, like he's had jackets made for him. Yeah, so. he's
4: he's had personalized jackets made. I mean, he has a Reawakened jacket, um, okay. a hockey jersey now. Um, right. But yeah, he had a DJ Clay <laughs> jacket that he would uh, you know ride around town, you know, from from show to show with before the you know before the Reawakened days. Um, so you know, always had a sort of a flair for branding. You know, I mean, the I have in front of me here a stack of books that he that he put out um, even before you know the Reawaken um, sort of uh, tour stage that is or in which he has put out other books as well. But um, but O was, you know a entrepreneurial brander um, and uh, sort of incessantly uh, going from venture to venture. Um, the the books you know, I don't know that he made much off the books, but they provided like um, props for him to do more um, of the business guru work. And, you know, they're full of stuff like quotes from Napoleon Hill or Oprah or Bill Gates, Mm -hmm. who, um, you know, there's some irony there, which we may get to. But, you know, he's like celebrating all of these um, other sort of uh, business success stories uh, of America um, and sort of cleaving himself to that to that sort of success ethos. Before he
3: realized they were part of the yeah. blood drinking cabal, I guess.
4: Yeah, it's got to be you know that moment of disenchantment. I mean, he you know he told me that he had to do a lot of redecoration.
3: <laughs> I imagine.
5: That's yeah, you got to take
4: down it's all like, the uh, adrenochrome drinkers.
1: I figured out my my house was uh, actually uh, some sort of shrine to pedophiles. <laughs> uh, I I got I had to change the curtains. I had the Oprah curtains, um, but I do like the idea of like people on campus being like. See that guy over there yeah with the jacket says and DJ Mobile that guy gets to second base with so many girls on this <laughs> campus
0: Well it's also interesting too that like he it's not like he chose an industry that you know is like uh, very difficult if you're you're a wedding DJ you know party DJ in a you know a fairly sort of like you know s- small area you're going to rise to the top pretty quick he's like I'm going to yeah. do the hardest job in the world A wedding DJ and like and I because I'm successful I'm gonna teach you how to be successful yeah
1: also jacking beats which is such a like QAnon and and Christian thing it was when they do (laughs) hip-hop they're just like I'm gonna take this very famous beat it's mine now done I'll just do a version of this for our people that doesn't have (laughs) swears Yep. Even
3: though Clay Clark has obviously a religious background, he went to you know, religious university and he, you write in your, your article for Rolling Stone that he believed in miracles. He believed the his child was saved uh, from blindness due to a miracle from God. Um, He wasn't really religious in a public way until the pandemic hit. And then he started doing his own research about what he thought was really going on, got kind of red-pilled, and he started devoting more and more uh, time on his radio show to pandemic-related sort of um, basically conspiracy theories, other kind of information. Well, Uh, I
1: mean, he he saw it as an obstacle to his business, right? So he saw that all his kind of, you know, mid-sized to small businesses— were kind of under threat by you know some of these regulations, and so he went on YouTube to figure out why. Why are they doing this? I guess is that is that accurate? Or yeah, that's
4: right. I mean, you know, that's that's you know his um, accounting of it, which you know I think is helpful in a way because it. I mean, yes, there's a kind of a pilling or a conversion, but he also it's like very very openly you know about you know the financial hit that potentially was going to be had by him and and his you know if we understand him to be part of his profits come from those he's coaching. So, you know, his clients are also concerned. He's concerned. I mean, he's in Tulsa, which is a different sort of environment than, you know, L.A. or New York. Um, so I think they're, you know, there's a different sort of – he's already sort of in kind of libertarian circles in some way. So people are already like opposed to the government messing with them in any way. But I mean, it was very, very clearly a, a financial uh, concern for him um, and – and, you know, some of the folks that he was already connected with are, are people who you guys have probably mentioned on here or who he became connected with pretty quickly in that. So, you know, um, Sean Foyt was a, um, another ORU alum who, um, who knew one of Clay's business partners and in the Tulsa business crowd was already sort of leaning Right word in some other ways, too, so it wasn't you know it wasn't like a, a full-on dramatic conversion in that sense like the the networks that he was in were moving in that direction already, and I think that he sort of yeah. sensed that
1: yeah, Foyt is like the kind of you know guy with the acoustic guitar version mm-hmm. of like him being the d j like for this kind of community
4: right, yes, yeah, 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 Sean Foyt's got the more sort of um like camp counselor, um, yeah, and I mean maybe they're both sort of camp counselors in their way, but mm-hmm. but uh Clay is the sort of you know the, the bad one mm-hmm. um, yeah. They were probably dope camp counselors, though, in like, you know,
0: 2006, Yeah, in like you know,
4: 2007. And, and, yeah. And they're both kind of like, you know, elder millennial. You know, I, I think about this, like, yeah. you know, Clay has got this sort of like Zuckerberg-esque, you know, just if, if reading back about the, you know, the, the early press of him, the way that these types of guys are written about, like dorm room hustlers, drop out, gonna succeed still. There's this like, Sort of millennial mythology around the sort of dropout entrepreneur that uh, that Clay then embodied. um what it became later, um you know, is different. But that was his celebrated uh, sort of persona early on. but Clay Clark's
3: real turn to someone who is
4: devoted to
3: this kind of you know movement and conspiracism apparently came as a consequence of a prophecy from a South African prophet, self-described prophet named Kim Clement.
4: Now, who is this guy? Yeah. Uh, You know, Kim Clement, yeah, mm, might not be able to give a super good good accounting of Kim Clement. So, you know, Kim Clement is one of a number of prophetic figures whose words and media and pronouncements circulated in Pentecostal and charismatic media um, in the sort of Trump era. And they were seen to provide a kind of a supernatural drumbeat to the Trump presidency. Kim Clement did not live to see Trump's election, but his old clips where he's saying, you know, sometimes, you know, to the sort of uninitiated, um, you know, pretty vague statements are kind of revisited for new insights by the faithful or by those who, you know, seek to find insight in them to give you know, um, like supernatural um, legitimacy to to Trump, you know, basically, they they see Trump as a divinely appointed uh, leader. And, you know, in another piece um, that I wrote for the Times about Charisma Media, um, Charisma Media actually is a, a sponsor of this tour. And they are one of they're like a flagship Pentecostal publication. And they publish these sort of Trump prophets incessantly, or, you know, Quite a lot in the lead up to Trump's win, and the months after Trump's win, um, and Kim Clement is one of the sort of more prominent of these. Um, his prophecies or his pronouncements were, you know, viewed really as legitimate as um, persuasive by by those in these circles. So Clay's um, ability to graft himself into this story and connect himself to Kim Clement. Um, is not just saying, oh, a prophet said I was prophesied to do this. He's saying the prophet that many of you believe is one of the most legitimate, persuasive prophets who said that Trump would win um, has also said that I will have a, a role in this supernatural story unfolding in our lifetimes here in America.
3: So, yeah, Clay Clark produced a documentary called Reawaken, in which he talks about discovering this prophecy and believing that it was about him. And this particular prophecy from Kim Clement comes from a 2013 talk that makes reference to someone named Donald and Mr. Clark.
0: In July of 2020, I got a text message sent to me by Charles Cola. Clay, watch this, call me. And I watch it and it's Kim Clement. And this prophecy was from 2013. There's a man by the name of Mr. Clark and there is also another man by the name of Donald. You are both
3: watching me saying, could it be that God's speaking to me? Yes, he is. Somebody just a few minutes before you came on the show, you went out. And you took the American flag and you said, I'm proud of my nation. And you
0: raised it up and God said, You have been determined through your prayers to influence this nation. I recalled Aaron
3: Antis, who went to Bible college at Rama Bible College. I said, Aaron. I think there's a prophecy about me.
1: Dude. Oh boy. This guy's literally just doing cold reading. Yeah. He's like, one of you is Donald, the other was someone Mr. else. Clark, Clark with fucking generic names. Yeah. You know. And also he's saying, You're
4: listening to me right now. So clearly not uh, if you yeah, found this much not later, about him. not yeah. about you, because well, you're not listening to him. Yeah. One thing I, I wanted to point out is the the slap bass. Yes, um, so, <laughs> I, no, I think, but there's something, you know, I mean, you know, for all of the import that this guy's that Kim Clements, um, who, who is a singer songwriter um, as well. So he's a musician. Um, you know, they're they're like super entertaining and they're pretty funky. Um, and and yeah, no, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, it has a quality of eight hundred number. um you know, call me now. Uh, in that, you know, someone a lot of people could could derive meaning from these videos, and that's sort of their their appeal. Uh, the fact that it you know spawned this industry of uh, MAGA profits um, and people like Clay and the tour is you know uh, surprising, I suppose. But I you know I think a lot of people could be watching these and getting insights from them that are not leading them to start a tour and uh, and tour the nation with uh, Mike uh, Flynn and Lindell and so forth.
1: Yeah, he's, he's just being like, oh. Donald Duck, um, fucking, what's the Superman guy's name? Clark Kent. Clark
0: Clark, Donald Duck, Clark Kent, gonna save the world.
1: We've got an Elmer. I can uh, <laughs> I can sense an Elmer is watching us. Mr. Fudd, if you're listening.
4: Kim Clement is not living anymore, but his daughter is on the tour as well. Oh, wow. And she, um, they're actually in, I think they're in Thousand Oaks. Um, so not far from here. And they have a, um, you know, th- there's a sort of a small industry still of of of, uh, of sort of spreading and speaking about um, Kim Clement, who is really highly regarded. So you know, so Clay really, you know, adeptly um, seized this um, this narrative, this story, and you know, put himself in it and then even brought the daughter of this prophet on the tour, um, which you got to think if, if you are sort of a consumer of this prophetic media, um, that's a, you know, that's pretty exciting that you can go see the daughter of the prophet who was prophesying mm-hmm. about this guy and the tour is coming to town and, you know, let's go.
0: What happened to children rebelling against what their parents did? <laughs> what happened to that? <laughs> yeah. What ha- what happened to that? You know, you, you've you've got-
1: never been to a rave and met like uh, Christian kids who were like, Dude, this is fucking changed my life, man. I'm like son of a pastor. Yeah, but
0: why can't like Kim Clement's daughter be like, oh yeah, my dad was like kind of a fraud and like yeah, he he sort of like tricked a lot of people and like I'm you know I'm actually uh, getting you know my uh, my master's degree well, and so or or Michael Flynn Jr. They are
1: really charismatic and in the sense of like mm. the broader
0: sense like these
1: are people who can convince their kids they win over their family whereas like my dad wasn't maybe as adept at public speaking and convincing other human <laughs> beings it wasn't his full-time job so he you know he was
4: right saying stuff and i was like yeah whatever i'm gonna do the exact opposite
0: <laughs> okay fair enough
4: yeah i mean don't you think most people or not i don't know most people but many folks go into the same line of work i know if we if we take the sort of like belief aspect of it out or the sort of like Extreme belief, if you know, if we do think these things are extreme beliefs, like it is, like a sort of a craft that you know she's probably seen growing up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and she's, I mean, she's not making prophetic claims herself. Um, she's sort of carrying on the lineage of of uh, of Kim, of her father,
0: the living remnant. Yes, yeah,
4: yeah.
1: It's, uh, there was a part in your article where you mentioned him, like screening a call from uh, a woman who makes like pretty wild prophetic claims. D- does this scene
4: ever g- get like a little saturated with people claiming to be prophets? Absolutely, yeah. And no, I mean, Clay, and Clay is, um, you know, he's like, he's pretty um, open about that. You know, I'm I'm there behind the scenes ahead of the opening of the of the tour, and this is in Virginia Beach, and somebody keeps calling his phone, and he's not picking up, and he says he's sort of like, oh, this this person again. And he finally picks up and puts her on speakerphone, and it's this woman saying that she's uh, actually actually was from a Kim Clement prophecy. She was saying, oh, I, you know, Kim Clement prophesied about me, and I, I'm I'm like Esther. And, you know, I need to be on your stage, like, tomorrow. And can you fly me there? And he's kind of like, no, you can come. And, you know, tickets are this price, and we'd love to have you. But, I, you know, I can't. I don't know you. Um, But but it's a fine—I mean, he's polite. He's doing it in full Oklahoma, Tulsa charm. You know, I appreciate you. Appreciate you so much. I hope you can come here. He's not, you know— cruel to this woman but he's running a show and if he's going to have prophets on the stage he's going to have ones that that people know uh julie green who is a doug mastriano's sort of go-to prophet is on the tour um someone named amanda grace a lot there are a lot of other prophets who are better known so so yeah you know it's mercenary in that sense that you know that clay is not going to go out on a limb and put anyone who comes up and says hey i'm a prophet it's got to be somebody who with a following with the fandom that are already doing well in other you know media networks
0: right this is show business you know That's you right. can't just call somebody up who's who's you know has done the grind and made it you know and and has put the tour together and say hey like i like my prophecy is i just know that when when clay picks up the phone my prophecy is so good that he's going to make me one of the headliner speakers and, right. you know, it just it doesn't yeah. work like that. You have to
1: be functionally delusional, transactionally delusional. You can't just be absolutely delusional. <laughs>
3: So Clay Clark feels that he's been prophesized into starting this tour, and it starts as Clay Clark's Health and Freedom Conference, uh, the first of which was held in April of 2021 at Rima Bible College in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And this was a uh, pricey event from the start. Apparently, uh, the VIP tickets and the front row tickets were five hundred dollars each. Mm-hmm. Wow! And uh, the general admission was two hundred fifty bucks, and they also had apparently pay as you can discounts. Uh, but uh, this was—I mean, yes, that's that's a lot—two hundred fifty bucks for a even for like an all-day show.
0: Yeah, yeah, I missed the last Weezer tour that came through okay. Los Angeles because so, the tickets were two hundred and fifty, and that's like my favorite band, you know. And I didn't even want to pay that. Talk about Weezer. Just,
4: I'm just saying, <laughs> that's
0: a lot. That's a lot to ask of people.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm, I think Weezer. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, no. Please <laughs> no. go on. No, no yes. yes no, let's do talk. Not. Let's let's talk about that. God damn no. It. Well,
4: no. I was just, I, I was going to wonder, you know, if Weezer might go on the show, but no, we, no, Weezer wouldn't. But Blink One Eighty Two or one of these guys could. I mean, there are there are like sort of would be mainstream uh, comedians and other figures who have joined the tour, but Weezer, as I, as far as I know, is not um, Thank joined the, the tour yet. Um, but the just the, a point of clarity on the pay as you can. I mean, you know, a lot of people are paying like fifty to sixty dollars to go on this. So there's, you know, just to let you know, if you know, when it, next time it comes through. Uh, Anaheim, uh, you don't have to pay two hundred fifty dollars to go. And Clay makes a big show of this as well. You know, this is a selling point that he will talk about uh, on the on the various promos. Is that you know I don't want to keep anybody out of here. Uh, if anyone wants to, you know, I don't want money to be an issue. If you want to pay eight dollars to come, you can. um, You know, we'll let you in the door. So the the VIP, there's no budge. But in terms of you know, if there's a kind of a you know gimmick or a sort of a you know a a, a appealing sort of uh, uh, twist there, where anyone can really get in, um, and that's always been the case. And I don't think that people are paying two hundred fifty dollars in general admission to go. Okay, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of other uh, merchandising options once you get there,
0: mm-hmm. like a free-to-play game. They'll let you in for free, but then hey, if uh, you want any of the, um, if you want any of the really yeah. good skins, you gotta. You, you, <laughs> you, gotta you pay can pay two hundred and fifty <laughs> if you're that
1: much of a mark. You know, it's like if you have no bartering skills, right? But you know, it's like it's right. basically like uh, you know, would you pay two hundred and fifty kind of thing? Like uh, just checking if you're that much of a mark and then yeah, uh, no, I, I like that.
4: Sort of a challenge to like yeah, if yeah, you yeah. if you know the game then. Yes. So I wanna talk about the
3: some of the actual content of um the 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 speakers in uh these events because I, I watched the recent event in Idaho which which happened over two days. And it was literally an all-day event. Like, the first day, at least the recording, was like 10 hours of speakers. And the t- second day was another 10 hours of more speakers. And I would describe it as an unending barrage of, like, rage and conspiracy theories. Just, just people who are furious and want the audience to be furious and also insane nonsense about what the cabal is, is uh, planning. So, I mean, there's no really w- possible way to cover what all the speakers are talking about, but I'm going to give you a small sample of what an attendee of the Reawaken tour might experience. You may learn from Clay Clark himself that the NIH started experimenting with how to block the God gene in 2008. Now, this is not true, but this is what he said.
0: So 2008, this, the CDC begins, the NIH begins, doing, the NIH begins doing research on how to block out the God gene. Mm. So if you click that link right there, why is it troubling, Aaron, that, this, that the NIH is trying to do research to block out your ability to think? Uh well, th- probably because if you're going to block out the God gene, you don't want God influencing anything that happens mm-hmm. in a person's life or any of their thoughts. The guy
1: is wearing a fucking American flag, like, jacket. Yeah, and he's like the, um... Talking about the fucking God gene! The God gene! They're blocking the God gene!
3: So, I mean, I checked on what the hell he was talking about there. I went to the website that they're referencing, because this is actually, this whole segment was basically him. Go to this website, and they walk you through basically the history of the 50-year plan of the cabal to do the Great Reset and their beliefs. So what they're talking about is a 2008 paper called Experimenting with Spirituality, Analyzing the God Gene in a Non-Majors Laboratory Course, has nothing to do with blocking the, the God gene. It was actually an education paper that references the book, The God Gene, How Faith is Hardwired into Our Genes. Uh, so in that book, the author Dean Hammer argues that a variation in the VMAT2 gene plays a role in one's openness to spiritual experiences. And the paper in question simply examines how students in one class responded to learning about concepts in the book. So I don't know how they got the NIH is trying to figure out how to block the God gene from that. But is this a a theme, you know, in the uh, I guess in the tour that like they're the powers that be the government is trying to destroy spirituality?
4: Yeah, I mean, yes, it is uh, The you know, the, the banner image of the tour now is this um, sort of like Marvel or Street Fighter looking um face off between the you know the the bad guys and the good guys the good guys are the line of the tour the bad guys are sort of the uh soros zuckerberg gates
3: world economic foundation yeah stuff it, schwab it's called, yeah has called out uh, was it the great awakening versus the great reset right that's right yeah
0: and are like um you know, below it in all the boxes, or is it like the speakers, like uh, like a you can choose your fighter. You know, I mean, it has
4: that look. I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't know if, if if Clay has plans for a sort of interactive, um, you know, iPhone game yet. Yet, but that um, would
3: be pretty good. video game. Klaus Schlob versus Clay Kark fight. Well, there, I yeah. mean,
4: and he made like a like a theatrical invite. To you know, to the the bad guys, to to, you know, to appear on this tour. Like I'm saving a seat for you, you know, Klaus Schwab. uh, If you want to come, this is not going to happen. But um, but you know, he's the the idea that you can see, you know, the the heroes and the villains duke it out is sort of what's suggested by by this this uh, by the image. And yeah, I mean, it's it's like you know, these are villains who are it's a full on onslaught of of everything that you know you the viewer um, hold holy in your Mm. life. Um, and, you know, that that clip of of Clay providing the links, you know, I think is that is his approach is, you know, it is the sort of do your own research, um, um, you know, ethos and that he has done his research and he's going to provide you the, the resources to, to do your own. You know, I have no idea um, if people go to those links. I, I don't know, but it's sort of a barrage of. You know, here's the information. I'm not making claims that, you know, you can't substantiate yourself. And it's almost, in this is sort of an uncomfortable way to put it, but it's almost like, you know, almost like journalistic in that sense. You know, it's, it's, it's like, it's about, you know, uh, sorting through links and, and like, you know, shoving them down the throat or into the, into the, um, into the viewer's lap. And he is also on stage, it's, it's you know, it's, it's like almost like pedagogical in that he's, you know, telling you, take out your pens and paper, um, write down the links, write down the name, write down the, you know, the PayPal, write down you know, get this information into your notebook, into your uh, into your life, and uh, and you know, don't let it pass you by. So it's it's a uh, it's almost like you know some sort of uh, class that you're in, or like a Bible study, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you know, the marathon quality of these events too is like you know, speakers are up there like fifteen minutes, thirty minutes, and that's just about it, and it's it's nonstop. There's no break.
3: Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's just unending barrage. Um, like you mentioned, there's also a big prophetic element, uh, there's one woman who is called a prophet named Julia Green, and um, she delivers a message that there is a prophecy that Trump will be restored as president by the end of the year.
2: How many of you guys are excited right now? Give me a big shout! Woo! <laughs> How many of you guys believe by the end of this year something big is about to happen? Yeah! How about that our rightful president gets his seat back. And old Biden is going to go (laughs) bye-bye. And I'm not just saying that, really, I really am not. I want to read off a couple of prophecies I'm going to give you guys today of something that has already been fulfilled. And it should excite anybody to realize that prophecy is not just people giving out words. They're actually giving out God's words and what God is saying today. How many believe that God actually gives us the news before the news? Yeah. And that God knows exactly what's going to happen before it happens, right?
1: She is on some pretty yeah. heavy medication there, slurring her words. I if I this. Or
0: she's just got the spirit yeah. so much. She's yeah. not Maybe. of this world. She's got the, he, the, the vapors or whatever they used to she, say.
1: She is, though, in fact, just saying things. And yeah. these are <laughs> no. just words.
4: News, yeah. news before the news, I like, um, yeah. you know, because I think that is like, and I, and I think that's, that does encapsulate the, you know, the, the appeal of these people who follow this sort of stuff so closely is that it's, it's current events. I mean, it, it, it is like having a special insight into what's to come. Um, and, you know, there's an aspect of it, which is like, also like speaking, speaking into existence, the things that they wish to come. It's sort of, you know, there's a kind of a wishful thinking element of it as well. And, you know, and Julie Green, I mentioned before, but she, you know, she's connected to, to Doug Mastriano. And so she is uh, sort of coming, you know, coming into her own or, you know, um, has a pretty large following now. And I met people at the event who told me they came specifically to, to uh, you know, excited to, to see her speak. Yeah, she looks like she
1: would be kicked out because her bachelorette party is being too loud at a comedy show.
0: Isn't, like, uh you know, news before the news, I feel like that's referencing some kind of, like, biblical stuff, like the good news and all that stuff. Is there, I, like, are they yeah. using these words because they know it is hitting a emotional chord with the audience who's already very familiar with uh, this style of language?
4: Yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, I mean, gospel, right? Gospel is the good news. Um, and, you know, one of the ironies of this tour, and, and I think of probably a lot of these figures that you guys also look at, is there's, you know, this, like, deep suspicion attack uh, a sale against the media and the use of media what the the lies the media is telling you um at the same time this is like a a really slick multimedia operation with people with really large fandoms more followers than i have more followers than you know i don't know but you know than a lot of people have and then and, <laughs> and you know th- so so they are sort of marshalling their their social media followings um and, you know, producing podcasts in rooms that maybe look like this on, on these topics at the same time as, you know, um, inviting, you know, paranoia, kind of like a joyful paranoia almost about what the media, the lies the media is telling you. And Julie Green, I actually don't know if she's probably on Rumble. Um, I don't follow her too closely, but, um, but she, she's in these networks.
3: And like I mentioned, like this is like a variety show. they're like' you know, they're, they're preachers, and there are political conspiracy theories, but there's also music and there's also some comedy and in fact, during the um the show I watched, you could see this comedy stylings of Jim Brewer
1: oh he has been on Fox too he's become so unfunny i he's... he looks in pain every time <laughs> he appears <laughs> yeah, I know.
3: anywhere he was it's very. Like... I mean, he was, did his bit, but he seemed very unhappy. Uh, so during his set, he complains about getting criticized for not wanting to play shows at venues that
0: require vaccinations.
1: And for those who don't remember, he was the high guy in
0: uh, Half-Baked. Well, you have to Clara He was the most high guy. Yeah. The, Human man, you yeah. know your typical, your mm-hmm. stereotypical tie dye wearing white stoner guy, and was beloved. I mean, in that era, people loved Jim Brewer, and mm-hmm. yeah, to watch his turn uh, to to complete uh, to this, to appearing on the you know reawaken reawaken America tour is, I mean, I guess stranger things have happened, but it's. Proof that we proof won't that say no this. one is safe. Yeah, no one is safe from from, from falling into this uh, these ideologies.
5: But when, it, but when it really started getting interesting, was uh, I said, listen, I'm not going to uh, do any venues that force vaccinations. Yeah, and of course, of course, all the media. <laughs> Send the heathens and disgrace him. Because <laughs> that's what they do. What kind of man would care about his following? He wants them all to die. Which was the great trick that they pulled. You know, you don't want your grandmother to die, do you? Don't go visit them on their deathbed. Trust the science! <laughs> Trust the science!
1: <laughs> this is disturbing because he's doing Bill Hicks, and the jokes that Bill Hicks does in this style are literally about like GOP politicians blowing Satan. <laughs> 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 but he's like transformed it. It's like, ah, oh, the media is being, you know, evil. Yep, you know, that, I mean, obviously it it's, it sucks,
3: but in, in that room, it killed because it hit a lot of themes that the crowd was receptive to, anti-media, uh, anti-vaccination, and also skeptical of mainstream
0: science. And also, uh, you know, uh, reenacting the voice of the media as Satan. Yeah. which many probably believe.
1: But all these acts are just like this is how liberals are.
5: <laughs> it's like
1: Jesus
4: Christ. <laughs> he pretty much just does I mean when I when I saw him speak, it means pretty much just does those sort of voices. Um like either like animals or um it's like it's a it's 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 a lot and you know and actually, I, I I looked. I remember what I wrote down as he was talking, as I was taking notes, and I think I wrote something like, you know, for my money, um, Clay is funnier than this comedian. He is. Mm-hmm. He's um,
3: actually more charming too. Yeah. yeah. He
4: doesn't seem like he's in constant pain either. Right. Whereas Brewer, I mean, it's, it's. I mean, it's kind of like there's no. Um, uh, it's it's all sort of one note. Um, there isn't. Um, there's like very little dynamics in in the sort of as a comedy act. Um, I mean. That would be a fun, um, you know, I'd like to read the sort of like comedy critic take on these MAGA comedians. I mean, J.P. Sears has also been on this, Mm -hmm. um, and I know you guys have uh, recently covered him at length. But there's something there's something that like there there isn't much sort of dynamic to the to the comedy act and, and and I and I think you know Clay sort of is like many characters at once on stage. I mean he has to sort of keep the show moving. But I think when he does sort of jokes and voices, even he's actually a little more funny than the actual comedians that he has on the show. Yeah, because he does
1: seem to be kind of enjoying himself. I, I think there's the very something least. self-aware
4: too about Clay, yeah. which is maybe a little uncomfortable to say. But I you know there's something yeah there's there's a bit of a wink um, with Clay mm-hmm. from time to time.
2: Yeah. Well,
0: and with somebody like Jim Brewer, it, you know. It, The question is: Is were these always his beliefs, and he kind of had to mask it, you know, to to get as far as he did in sort of mainstream Hollywood, or you know, was he, you know, happy to be, you know, the the sort of liberal sweetheart after half baked, and then as work dried up, and he found that the you know that he pivoted to this angle? Does that actually hurt him inside? And and you know, with J.P. Sears, I think we saw, you know, I think it's kind of clear that he was always that way you know, know to some I, extent i
1: think what what's consistent is that there's like seething anger underneath yeah. the surface whereas yes. with clay i don't I don't know if there's that much actual anger yeah. i think he plays it up a little bit yeah but jp sears and this guy seem to be an actual pain yes. and they seem to actually loathe the people around them
0: yeah uh so i don't know just because yeah i get that if you are like you know one of the top sort of like you know uh, everybody loved half-baked and the weed and you know you're kind of this hero you know your hero for <laughs> being weed. in such a popular stoner movie and then to a have hero. that audience turn Maybe. turn on you feels bad you know oh, yeah. it feels America's bad
1: sweetheart the hero the guy who was like yeah man and it like, was I w- look
0: i was like in college yeah, when that you, movie Jay, came out yeah i was a college everybody stoner when was that was movie came out a hero sure <laughs> they all were i mean people people walked around quoting half baked for like yeah. a, uh, basically until Chappelle's show came out and then they were quoting that for the rest of college well a,
4: at very least a countercultural figure yes, yes. okay there and, we go that's a smart way to say and, it you know and that's
5: <laughs> hey man I
1: just <laughs> I mean, saved it... this woman from underneath the car man I'm here like,
4: and that, I mean that's not like a particularly novel observation now but like the way the I mean the sort of aesthetics of the counterculture you know sort of flow through these these MAGA or Q circles or, you know, before that, everyone was talking about the alt-right, you know, the, the sort of counterculture quality too. I mean, the co-founder of Vice, you know, I mean, if, you know, Gavin McGinnis, I mean, you know, there's, there's a way that the things that we thought were edgy were, were, are edgy, continue to be edgy, but edgy in a different way, or these figures who are involved in edginess, the the edge, you know, they they follow a different edge. I think they, Um, they do. They do. They
1: kind of smuggle in some counterculture into the right, and the right feels like, yeah, see, we've got our guys too, you know? Even though, like they're often just like husks of their former selves, but it's still it's the feeling of like, yeah, we're going against the grain instead of trying to enforce, you know, a centuries long like uh, vision of like the family or what it means to be a good person and faithful.
3: There's also, uh, you know, some QAnon mixed in with the speakers. In fact, right after Jim Brewer spoke at the show that I watched, there was a call in from the X-22 report, at least the anonymous individual who Mm -hmm. does the X-22 report show, which is a QAnon promoter. And for his segment, he said that all of the legal activity surrounding Trump right now is actually good because it's bait that's luring the deep state. Mm hmm. Um, everything that the deep state is doing right now, everything that they're trying to do, um, where they started with the pandemic, they went after Trump with Russia, 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 impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two. Now they're trying to go after him with Mar-a-Largo. They confiscated uh, Mike Lindell's phone, Dr. Frank's phone, and they're continually going after him. Actually, it's not really him, it's really us. This is all in... They're desperate, they're panicking, they're working out of fear. This is not... A group that is in control, a group that is in control doesn't go after people. They sit back because they're in control. If you notice, Trump is the one sitting back. Trump is the one that is relaxed. Trump, he's actually the bait. He is actually bringing these people to where he wants them to go. He he wants them to walk down this path.
1: Yeah, classically, when people take control, like a junta or a despot, they're just like sitting back, man, just resting on their laurels. They're not like out there actively chasing and executing their enemies to make sure to solidify power. They're just fucking chilling, dude, and uh, doesn't seem to be chilling. (laughs) Yeah, this brings me to the question of, I guess, Trump's role
3: as a really like a religious Figure, Because I don't know if you recently saw the footage of the um, rally in in, uh, Ohio, in which while Trump was giving a a speech over a a song that happened to be uh, called Where We Go One, We Go All, uh, the crowd was raising their finger up towards the heavens and towards Trump as if they were, you know, at a, you know, at a Pentecostal, you know, church or something. So, I mean, why? I mean, this is a difficult question, but like... Why exactly, How, or was Trump's role as something more than just a political figure, someone who is destined to make America great, someone who is connected to some sort of grand spiritual battle?
4: Yeah. Yeah, that is a big question. Um, you know, I'll say that, you know, there, there is the role that these sort of um, freelance Prophets um, play in that in you know making him a sort of a sanctified character in a in end times prophecy or end times end times kind of events unfolding. Um, but then you know there's also I think just like an aesthetic quality that I think is worth pointing to. That is you know Trump an early advocate for Trump was Paula White who is a televangelist who he sort of knew from Florida or sorry from just watched from watching her on television and. You know, she, among others, became his sort of inner circle of uh, largely Pentecostal advisors. Who, um, you know, who I think, I think there's a sort of a consonance or a familiarity with even just sort of the televangelist style and Trump's own sort of um, bombast and you know, um, uh, sort of prosperity gospel. So, you know, I, I just want to point, you just want to like draw out the like aesthetic qualities. I think of what Trump has tapped into and the ways that these tour events, regardless of like the beliefs of the people there, there's like a style that Trump um, tapped into early on. I mean, and the Trump brothers are on this tour as well, um, Eric and, and Don Jr. And Trump has not appeared on the tour, but he calls in. Or Eric makes a call on his phone and Trump's voice speaks from the phone. I don't know if that's like a recording. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if if Trump actually is. You know, I, there there is Trump's voice does come through, but I, I don't know if he's waiting on the other line to you know to pick up each time that Eric calls. But I but I saw this this um this uh, act happen uh, on the stage, and it's become a sort of a regular thing now. So you know, so seeing, um, Trump, um, I mean, but then again, you know, I, I'd also just say that like campaign rallies, I think are generally pretty, you know, quote unquote religious. Um, even without the hands raised, there's a sort of a worshipful quality regardless of who the candidate is. I mean, so are, you know, so are uh, Weezer concerts, too.
3: Correct. Now, like you mentioned, uh, this, it's not just fringe figures who are part of this tour. like, you know, Eric and Donald Trump Jr. are part of this. Uh, also, you could see uh, Roger Stone. Um, in fact, you I was able to see Roger Stone, who is really one of the most depraved and soulless men to ever walk the earth Mm -hmm. just if the devil exists then he is friends with roger stone but in this segment that i watched uh he professes that he discovered jesus thanks to the Mueller investigation
5: ladies and gentlemen i stand before you as living proof that jesus christ can do anything i did not always understand or believe this in my younger days when i was a hard-boiled political operative. Yes, I lived the life of a libertine. I was a willful sinner. But then, in the crucible, when I was framed by Robert Mueller, uh, I was charged with lying under oath to Congress about uh, pardon me — about Russian collusion, which never actually took place, which never actually happened. Which was really about pressuring me to testify falsely against my friend Donald Trump, and I refused. It is at that time that I turned to the Lord and I was redeemed in the blood of the cross and of Jesus Christ.
1: It is hard to prophesy through like amphetamine lockjaw. Wow.
5: But like,
0: listen to what he's saying. He's like, he's like basically like, yeah, when I was under federal investigation and I, yeah, I had the, you know, the possibility of my freedom being taken away, I turned to Jesus, you know, it's like.
1: Yes, when I was younger, I used to fuck and suck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Folks, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but they love that, right? They love the story yeah, of, a, yeah, yeah, of, a, of, of a sinner who is yes, now saved. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And that's what we heard a lot of uh, at the Sean Foyt thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I used to be a homosexual. I
0: used to do these mm-hmm.
1: things and have
4: these, these horrible orgies. And <laughs> yeah. Roger Stone does, um, not in that clip, but in other ones, he does have a really beautiful white suit that he wears. So I just want to give some credit to the sartorial choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's Man better of
0: the cloth.
1: when the cocaine comes out of your nose and it's, just <laughs> kind of, it's, like, it's not going to show up on the lighter suit.
3: Of course, Michael Flynn is a regular feature of the tour. In a recent live stream promoting the tour... Flynn claimed that the globalists are plotting to subvert God's design of ourselves by replacing parts of us with robotics.
5: They are trying to change the very essence of our DNA. And there are people working on this. That's one of them. You've all know a Harari, which, which is just not going to work. So what do they do? They're going to basically put components of robotics into us. Wow. And that's one of the other issues that they are looking at. So, you know, everything from, you, you see the, Robotic arms, which can help somebody or robotic legs, which can help somebody who lost their legs or somebody who lost their movement of their arm or or an arm to be able to do things and to live like a normal life. But those are that's different than what these guys are trying to do. They're actually trying to change inside the internals of something that is unchangeable, unmovable, immovable, because they're designed by someone other than them. And and thank God uh, that God designed us the way we are. So uh, what do you see,
3: uh, I guess, Flynn's role in this? Because we've been talking about Flynn on the show for many years, and you know he likes to rile up his digital soldiers. He used to be part of the um, QAnon tour um, that was organized by the man formerly known as QAnon John, but he apparently dumped that and upgraded to the Clay Clark tour. So, um, so how is he, um, I guess, how
4: is he received by the audience? I mean, he's the, here's the, the, the headliner of this. Um, he came aboard pretty early on um, and connected to Clay at one of these sort of um, early lockdown sort of churchy gatherings that Clay was holding at his office. And as, as Clay tells it, um, Flynn heard him on the Anne Vander Steele podcast and, you know, liked what he heard. Uh, at that point, Clay was doing sort of basic anti-lockdown, anti-mask um, sort of promotion of two books that he or a book that he had out then and connected with him. And Clay approached Flynn and they discussed, you know, what would be this tour. This is, you know, 2021 post-January uh, 6, And so he came on as a, as a headliner. And, you know, much of the coverage of, of these tours that I was seeing focused on Flynn. I, you know, I think not, I think rightly, I mean, he is a, he's, a, he's a big name at these events. Um, and a a draw a serious draw he comes out not as often as clay but he's on stage quite a bit he has a kind of a rambling speakers quality it's sometimes sort of hard to follow where he's going you know that is he's not like the showrunner in the way that clay is really the master of ceremonies but he is you know as they call him america's general and he's evoked in you know frequently by Clay on stage in this sort of like trinity of of like a sort of a holy trinity of God Donald Trump and Mike Flynn um as the sort of figures around which this tour sort of circles um and he, you know he is the the biggest you know maga name they have i mean I, I, aside from the 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 Trump kids um but the Trump kids don't really talk about. They're not as far out there as as Flynn is with this stuff. So he's a, I mean, he's a major figure in in the Reawaken tours, and um, you know, like like all people has his booth outside where he's selling merch. He does, you know, takes fan photos out, you know, in the in the lobby with everybody and. He um, walks with bodyguards around the tour. Um, He was there backstage when I was there, sort of watching approvingly as Clay is putting the uh, sort of final tweaks on all of the backstage stuff. So he's you know in the mix, and not just as a sort of a star, but really um, behind the stage uh, on things as well. He's
0: a producer as well. He's he's the he's the star power, (laughs) but he's been in the game long enough that he wants his producer credit. So you know he's backstage. He's you know wants to be yeah 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 that looks great that looks great Clay wild. Wild. And then he gets up there and talks about like, yeah, the vaccine uh, trying to alter your DNA, just the the lowest of the low of, you know, conspiracy theories. And
1: this is what happens when you just kind of get old and the Protestant work ethic will not stop. Like you just have to stay fucking busy. And so you end up just going on endless tours.
3: I wasn't surprised to learn from your piece that the uh, tour grosses a lot of money. I mean, they're able to fill these massive mega churches. And it, you say that they gross about 300 grand per show, mm-hmm. which is a. Uh, decent, but it's not a moneymaker, uh, which is kind of surprising because they have to pay all the, you know, the, the venue and all the people who speak. And, um, but, uh, w- I guess the question is that this started as a, I guess, a protest against, um, you know, COVID measures now, it's, but he's continuing to do it even though it's losing money. So what's, what's the purpose now?
4: Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'm not sure what to make of the, um, of the money claims, um, and and I you know I, I look at them with some suspicion um, in terms of what Clay says about this tour losing money. On the other hand, um, if indeed that money goes immediately back to paying speakers, reimbursing travel, paying these huge megachurches um, to to rent them out, security, you know, if indeed that all is, is all true, and there is some money uh, that is lost, it's possible that Clay could be um, there are other business ventures that he's been involved in that where he might take some losses to begin sort of with the hope for a, a payoff later on that is getting new clients, parlaying this into something else. That is, you know, he might be making taking a risk on this himself. You know, for on the speaker's end, you know, they're probably not losing money doing this. Um, you know, I don't have numbers for how much speakers are paid. And I think it varies from big name to big name that is like if the this you know, this aspiring Esther were to get her way there, she might get some time on stage, but she's not going to get paid much. Um, mm. But a know, Julie Green. Yeah. And she might and she might be, you know, at least put up in a nice hotel or flown there. And, you know, Clay wouldn't go into great detail about how much people are paid. And, and you know, and he makes these claims about it being, you know, at a loss for himself and that he would much rather go back to Oklahoma and, you know, sit by his koi pond and, you um, You know, be with his family. Um, But, you know, this is also like the biggest thing that he's been involved in, regardless of if he's losing money. This is like the most sort of national attention that he's ever had. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that more might come out about that. And, you know, and I look to sort of follow that as more finances become sort of clearer. But it's, it's quite mercurial now. And he also founded a church at his uh, business compound in Oklahoma, which, you know, money might also flow differently through that. So there's, you know, there's a lot of question marks around the, the money aspect. And, and the, you know, as soon as I know more, I will report that out. So
3: you uh, actually happened got to speak with some of Clay Clark's former business associates. Um, so what do they make of his, I guess, pivot to, I guess, one of the biggest conspiracy peddlers in the country right now?
4: Yeah, I spoke with the current owner of DJ Connection, who was a collaborator with Clay for a number of years, uh, early and early on when he was getting the DJ company going. And yeah, and, and Jason uh, spoke to me. And, you know, I think what, you know, Jason's observations to me were more like, that looks like a lot of work and a big mess, and I'm glad I have nothing to do with it. Um, you know, he might share, like, politically some sensibility that is... You know, I don't know how he voted, but, you know, he sort of expressed to me that he was conservative. He was a religious man or, you know, a churchgoer. Um, But to him, the the challenge of it all was, you know, how do you stay on top of who is in the cabal? Who's not? um, Are you Illuminati? For a time, you know, people turned on clay, said he was an Illuminati. And there's just all these sort of um, personalities or divas involved in the scene that Clay must always be managing. So, you know, I, I liked what Jason told me it was just like, it seems like a mess. You know, his like critique or comment was more like, this like seems like not something I want to be involved in, kind of um, haphazardly organized and like not a kind of a business venture that I want to undertake, which... You know, regardless of, you know, we can speculate about how much money it's making or not. You know, there is something sort of haphazard about it. Um, it's part of its sort of charm, too. It's a little freewheeling, a little like it could almost come off the rails at any moment. Um, and, and Jason's sort of observing this and saying, that's not something I want to be involved in. You know, I do think, you know, he, the some of the further out, you know, conspiracy stuff is, off, you know, is off-putting to not Jason, but also... Um, you know the the church that Clay was actually involved in for for a number of years, um, where his uh, his parents went, his mother goes to, um, you know, a, a, abided by pandemic um, restrictions. So there's a kind of a further irony where where Clay is crusading against um, against what the pandemic is doing to, or you know, what pandemic restrictions are doing to the church. Um, calling them part of this, you know, evil plan against religion. And at the same time, the the church that he uh, has attended for a number of years is um, dutifully, quietly following um, those, those restrictions, you know, pretty peacefully.
3: So uh, any other takeaways from your experience, uh, I guess, watching this spectacle
4: and sort of following its origins? Well, I'd be curious, you guys, as Q people, um, so to speak, um, you know, where you see—that is— Q is not for, you know, QAnon stuff is not foregrounded here. You know, you have to sort of look, there are a couple speakers, there's merch. When I went to the first one of these, I, I went to two of these. I went to one in Anaheim last summer when it was, uh, you know, in California. And there was a little more QAnon merch there than what I've seen more recently. So I wonder, you know, as sort of observers of this sort of, you know, content industry, um, like what, you know, what, reawake, what role Reawaken plays in that? I mean, yeah, I mean,
3: obviously... I mean, what was really remarkable, I guess, about QAnon is that it did involve, like, elements of prophecy. There was this belief that, like, nothing can stop what is coming. There is a inevitable result, and there are elements that know it. And, of course, there is also this uh, this super um, religious element where they believe that uh, they were, you know, on God's side. And these people deep inside the Trump administration were, like, doing God's work. And there's, like, you know, they talk about the Great Awakening. And this is why, you know, I obviously I like I recognize, you know, a lot of the the QAnon style themes in this um, in this, you know, in the Great Awakening or in the um, reawakening tour, because it's just, you know, religious, political prophecy worshipful of Trump and, uh, you know, the belief that, you know, they are, you know, that General Flynn is uh, is unjustly persecuted, but he's going to lead America to a greater cause. You know, it's like it's all the broad QAnon stuff without the QAnon sort of labeling. I mean, that's sort of my perception of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I think QAnon has always sat at the intersection of religion and politics and introduced conspiracy theories into the lot so that you can really galvanize people. You know, if you thought you were pissed about, you know, abortion, wait until you hear about the adrenochrome. I mean, I think, you know, it's just like harder drugs for for, for p- people that they want uh, to get involved. And I think during the Trump era, it was trust Trump, keep aligning under Trump, keep supporting Trump. And now it's, you know, actually get politically active so that next time, you know, he either loses or wins, like mm-hmm. we're ready to make sure that that's, you know, secured for us. And uh so, yeah, I, I definitely I think it's just at this point, Q has become both like an umbrella and also just like a signpost, you know, that's just like, you know, a part of things, another mm-hmm. brand on like the kind of sponsored by, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's it is it's kind of omnipresent and woven into to all the speaking points without needing to reference, you know, 17 or QAnon specifically.
0: And I also think that it contributing to that, that the Q not really posting anymore. I know we had like the four posts, you know, uh, a couple months, months ago. But other than that, it doesn't seem like Q is back in any kind of significant way that uh, it was, you know, obviously from, you know, end of 2017 through uh, December of uh, 2020. Um, so there's nothing to really point at there are not drops to be decoded there is not all that's left is the sentiment and and the sort of general ideas that you know that we're already connecting with an evangelical audience and so yeah there's really no point to you know it's like hey yeah i'm a fan you know i'm a fan and i got the shirt or i got the hat or the pin or whatever but like this this is what's happening now you know there this is this is what you're you're paying to go and see these people speak and say the things that you learned about maybe from QAnon but Q itself is you know it's in the groundwater
4: yeah water. yeah it's it's, it's like in, it's in the taps right yeah i mean I- now that i'm sort of like thinking aloud here but but hearing what you're saying it makes me think like you know this is like uh you know like fish to the to the grateful dead or something there's there's like you know you see the merch in the you know more likely to see a where we go when we go all shirt in the crowd but you know who's playing it sort of sounds like it but it's a different it's a different act i mean you know clay's career didn't you know take off till in this world you know till 2020 2021 um and you know some of those tunes are you know the band isn't broken up but it's you know it's a it's a little different. Um,
5: well,
0: and you also have one thing that I forgot is you actually have Michael Flynn on record twice uh, saying that, uh, you know, he believes that QAnon is a leftist psyop, uh, you know, that he that it's a CIA thing. And so right. their own guy, you know, is, is on record, you know, when he doesn't know that he's being recorded, uh, uh, actually condemning it.
1: Well, I think he does know he's being recorded, but also... I think that people can – they can always square that away by just being like, disinformation is necessary. Yeah, he has people has to say that.
3: Yeah. I mean, he recently commented on Western Journal about QAnon. He was saying stuff like, oh, well, you know, it's like there's you – thought, you thought it was a psyop, but he only objected it, uh, to it because he didn't like the idea of trust the plan. Because the idea is like, no, no, we yes. are the plan. We need to take yeah, action. He right. thought that was that old trust the plan thing was too pacifying.
1: Yeah, he wants to transition into like a way more tangible yeah. thing and be like, stop sitting behind your computers, like are
3: digital yeah. soldiers. But now it's time to now be real soldiers. soldiers. Local yeah. action makes national impact. Yeah. yeah,
4: and Lynn Wood was once on this tour, and they and, and Clay and Lynn did yeah. like a sort of fireside chat podcast for a little bit before Lynn left, um, as one of the sort of shakeups of of the sort of defectors or the sort of infighting within the crew. So, you know, a lot of the characters are still, you know, the, the old members of the band are still kicking around, um, but the show has, you know, changed a little bit.
0: They got to bring in like a hot new drummer, you know, a younger guy who can sort of keep in time, you know. And also it's like, oh, they can
1: attack QAnon, but they can't attack us talking about God. So yeah. they, they're kind of folding back and retreating on that like rhetorical front while they also get way more involved in actual politics and, mm-hmm. you know, putting boots on the ground. Yeah. Sam, thank you so much for coming in the studio to talk to us today. Uh, where can
3: people
4: find more of your work? They can follow me on social media uh, at S. Kestenbaum. It's my name, my last name, uh, and my website, samkestenbaum.com. All right. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of QAnon Anonymous. We appreciate... You supporting us on Patreon. That's patreon.com/slash QAnon Anonymous. And uh, if you don't already, you will get a second episode for every main episode that we put out and access to all of our ongoing series. You can also go to tour.qanonanonymous.com and check out our dates. Ranging through October and November We're probably coming to a city near you And if we're not, please don't write in Please, we know it We know you want us to come to the, to the city And your city's the best And it has the best cola, the best pizza The best hamburgers And we love you
0: Listener, until next week May the deep dish bless you and keep you
2: It's not a conspiracy, it's a fact And now, today's cue. Um, excuse me, um, could you, uh, uh, t- tuck in that shirt,
0: please? I- I'm what you call a resident advisor, and it's my duty to make sure that
6: you take off that hat, and you you wear, take off those earrings, and-, and you just be good. And no social dancing, okay? I gotta hold you accountable, alright? Call me Slim Shady, but tell me it's not weird that all the jeans knew my name by the second day I got here. Told them to take my earring out, of course, to shave my face. Cut your hair, wear it, tie act like you love this place. A prison, home to look like heaven. No, only thing worse than four years here would be seven Deans try to change my song So people want to groove Play this acoustic guitar And handing me the rules I'm not your average white kid So quit laughing Watch it He likes to dance No social dancing Oh are you out Worry about Oh are you I'm in Acting gay Well watching the house Shakes at the YMCA Yo I guess the first lady She said it was okay And her words, stands Pass the shoe Luffing out the hard way I'm more of a power trip Than the newest already This song's a $50 fine But I won't pay You kick a pregnant girl Out of school Guy that did it to a $50 fine And told to play it cool This stuff needs to stop Or I'm gonna lose it I'm coming so corrected And dotted my music, I've been to learn not to touch my mic again, ah! 23 people that voted for special etiquette, but everyone's duty here is to keep me accountable, in my business Worse to chapel, me. the you the kids in chapel, I can say goodbye, because it's my anointing, 25 now, so a good time to start would be 40, that's remarkable, and really very lovely, maybe it's your anointing because you're so ugly, I'm Slim Shady, yes I'm the real shady, all you the Slim Shadys are just demonstrating, so i want the real Slim Shady, please stand up, please stand up, please stand up, cause I'm Slim Shady, yes I'm the real shady, all you other Slim Shadys are just won't the real Slim Jetty? please stand up, please stand up, please stand up A sin is forgiven by confessing in a $50 fine Never seen so many nine people in Everything the same place in time true non- basketball team won a few games, but that's not the reason we were on the front page. I wish I was an athlete so I could get away with anything and have alumni paying for my apartment next spring. A perfect little school reaching the nations. Once upon a time on NCAA probation, so send this demo to the deans. Ooh wee, and you can kiss my little ass. Newt, sorry, Gajardo, didn't mean to cause trouble. Excuse me, I'm just popping the oyu bubble. Crazy as an OU student starting the Simpsons. Campus TV shows don't get as rating, but don't mention that you could get suspended for the sin of smoking and drinking, but not a 400-pounder car grabbing and burning. I see you smiling with green lettuce in your teeth. You'll be passing out of the field test next week. It's cool though. Go ahead and snack like that. And two years later, you'll still be fat like that.